God be the glory. It's uh, very gratifying that uh, we're able to fulfill Dr. Falwell's original vision, which is to play at the very highest level. Guys, I want to tell you, you're representing so many people today. You are living out what people started many years ago. You are walking on their shoulders, their foundation. You make up your mind that you leave this field today with absolutely no regrets that you'll remember. That you left it all out there and you come back in here and I gave it all for Liberty University, my teammates, my coaches. We'll do it together, for we can. For we, we can. can do all things. Do all things. Through Christ Jesus. He strengthens us. Strengthens us. Each and every day. Each and every day. And may God. And may God. Play with play. Welcome to the See a Red Podcast. I'm John Manson, filling in for our normal host, Chad Hassan. And on today's episode, we're joined by Liberty Head Men's Basketball Coach Richie McKay, where we talk about a number of items, most specifically including his uh, recent contract extension that was just inked uh, and announced this week, uh, where he'll be staying at Liberty. Uh, We talk about why is Liberty the right fit for him. We also rehash some of the success that the team has had uh, this past season and in recent years under his leadership and get a look ahead to next year. Uh, what can we expect about some of these uh, freshmen uh, coming in? And, and how about some of the uh, the rotation? I mean, Liberty returned six rotation players from this season and have uh, three freshmen uh, from this past year's team waiting in the wings and three more coming in next season. You know, how can McKay find minutes for those guys? We ask him about that. We also talk about being Gonzaga. Can Liberty be the Gonzaga of the East? And can Liberty ultimately get to be where it's a national power, competing with the likes of Gonzaga, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, and others? So without further ado, let's get into that interview with Liberty head coach, Richie McKay. Coach McKay, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast today. And first off, congrats on the uh, recent uh, contract extension announcement that came out. Uh, but I got a question for you: Are you the? Uh, do you know what the record is for the most consecutive years that a Division One men's basketball coach has gotten a contract <laughs> extension? Because you're up to three now. John, I don't know that record, and uh, if if I'm close or tied or even in lead, I'll take it because. Uh, Thank you for your congrats and a lot of contributors to the growth uh, and the trajectory of our program. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we thank our Lord and Savior. I, I think without uh, an adherence to uh, knowing where all your provisions come from, uh, you lose sight of the importance and the gratitude in which you have to operate with. So very thankful that God's allowed us to be able to to climb the ladder, if you will, and uh and also thankful for men, a great staff uh, and the assistant coaches and our support staff that uh, it operates in the invisible. And and then obviously, John, you know, you've interviewed a multitude of them. And we've we've just had some fabulous young men come through our family and uh, and add a ton of value. So I, I, needless to say, I'm uh, obviously excited that uh, Liberty and uh, it, Dr. Prevo and, and especially Ian uh, feel the way they do about our program. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping and uh, prayerful that we can keep 
we can keep uh, uh, playing in that, uh, that big dance because uh, it's a privilege to be there. Yeah, it definitely is. It was a lot of fun up in Indianapolis despite the outcome. I know you might not have the same uh, feelings the way the game went against Oklahoma State, but you guys were there, and, and it's no uh, small feat to get there. You know, over 300, maybe 350-some Division One programs, and the Flames were one of the last 68 standing. And, and Coach, I know for a fact, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you've been contacted by other schools in, in you know recent weeks and, and even previous seasons, uh, even Power Five schools uh, that have called and, and reached out to you about gauging your interest in, in another job, but but you you have told them no, and you've given your support to Liberty, and uh, you know you're entering your seventh season uh, at Liberty, which I think that's your your longest uh, stint at any one place. What is it about Liberty that makes it so special, and why is it the right place for you? Yeah, John, really good question. I, you know, whenever you have success, uh, I think it breeds a following. And uh, obviously, um, what our program has been able to accomplish, uh, there's there's been more than overtures. And, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly flattered and blessed, uh, even honored to be considered for uh, some of the high major programs that, you know, I've had an interest. And you said it earlier, like, like the the access to the NCAA tournament from uh, low to mid-major league is very, very minimal. It, there's there's such little margin for error. And even the metrics of it, just trying to get an at-large bid, you know, if you remember three years ago when Lipscomb and us were in that race for uh, the conference title and Lipscomb was on the bubble, I mean, John, they had an unbelievable season and they ended up in the NIT. So it it's hard to get there. And I think, I think people recognize that and therefore there's been interest, but to answer your question, I just think Liberty is a special place. You know, I moved a ton early in my career and uh, although some may consider that a negative, God had that for us and, and, and for our family and uh, boy, we've, we've, the experiences that we've gone through together has brought us closer. Uh, But this is, this is a unique place because of it's great. I mean, you can see the resources and, the, the amount of um, uh, money that's been poured into our campus, I mean, that's easy. The uh, aesthetic appeal to our campus is nearly unmatched, but, but it's not the buildings. It's, it's not the, you know, the, the, the resources, although blessed by them, and it's the people. And I just think having a chance to work with Ian McCall, who I, I think is the best of the best, um, and, and then have a chance to do life with the the people on this campus. It makes it so special. I, I'm I didn't go to school at Liberty, but I consider myself in the family, and uh, I love our alums. I love Flames Nation, and uh, and I, I think it's a I don't I don't want to say that it, it, I'll never say never anymore. You, you it ends up coming back to bite you, but but I, I think I think this is the best place in in the country to coach. Uh, now, Coach, I got a quick story for you. I don't think I've shared it with you before. I've shared it with others, but uh, you, you know, you go back to your first stint at Liberty, going back almost what 13, 14 years ago now. Uh, you know, you were here for two years, and you, you know me. You know, I'm a huge Liberty Flames fan. That's why I started to see a red, just because I'm incredibly passionate for for Liberty University, its mission, and ultimately the Flames. I'm just a big sports fan. Um, yeah. But, Coach, I, you know. When you left and went to Virginia, I was mad at you. I'm not even lying. I, I was mad. I had, uh, 
you know, a bit of content against you. And uh, I don't know why it was a little immature on my part, but I was mad. And, you know, it's it's funny because I, I grew up a huge Virginia Cavalier fan. My dad had season tickets uh, to all the football games. We went every year and and I spent a number of days and nights in uh, U-Haul and, and at the JPJ. Oh, wow. I went to the first ever game at JPJ when uh, Sean Singletary and, and J.R. Reynolds were there and played against Arizona that first night to open it up. Uh, but once you went up to, to Charlottesville, I could not watch Virginia. I could not cheer for them anymore, not even as a second team when the Flames weren't playing. I was mad, and I wanted the, the Cavaliers to lose every night. Uh, now, I say that to say that I think that, um, you know, your time there, uh, those six years you spent there, and you, you said this before, but it, it made you a much better coach, and Liberty is better off. Liberty's basketball program is better off for the time that you you were in Charlottesville. Would you agree? Uh, no doubt, John. Let me ask for your forgiveness, man. <laughs> you, you, uh, I didn't know you were unhappy with me, and uh, and I felt that from from some fans. It, it, again, it, without knowing the full details of it, it it was probably hard to understand then, maybe even now. <laughs> but it, but God had that for us. You know, we had. It was hard to leave Liberty because, and I've said this before, I've never left for what it wasn't. This is my relationship with Coach Bennett and, the, and his dad. But you, you said it best. Like, if do you have a master's or, or a PhD, John? You got one of the two, I'm sure. I have a master's. Okay. So when you when you went back and you you took those 500 classes, then they are hard. <laughs> it's it's like why am I going back to school? And God, he he just. And I didn't know it when I signed up for it, but his intent was to, you know, to reshape the, or reframe, you know, who I was as a, as a, as a man and as a coach. And, uh, I think I came back to Liberty better than, than I, I was there the first time. And, uh, and, and it also has allowed me to say no in, in this season of success. I, I haven't been swayed by, uh, whatever the, the the optics are, whether it's more income or, or uh, greater access to the tournament or power five, I, I've, I've been really content and been able to see clearly uh, the, the blessing that we've been afforded here. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I've long ago forgiven you, even before you came back to Liberty, before I knew that might take place. Um, I think it was you know, back then, Liberty never made it to uh, the NCAA tournament, or, or very rarely. So I needed a team to pull for. So once you guys got going up in Charlottesville, I was I was back on the bandwagon. I needed a team to pull for in March. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> we actually, do you remember when we played Liberty? I think it was year three or there. So that was a tough one, man. I was like, some of those guys I had recruited, yeah. and uh, I wanted to win the game, but uh, it was hard to hard to coach in that game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, so, so t let's go back uh, a year ago, and, and I've heard you answer this question before, and you give your your great co coach speak answer, but I, I want a real answer. A year ago, you guys are coming off your thirty win season, best season arguably in uh, Liberty basketball history, and the only one you can argue with is the one previous when when you guys won an NCAA tournament game and won twenty nine games. Uh, but you had the NCAA tournament opportunity uh, taken away for, from you, and, and we've. We've talked about that, but th that was a team, a veteran team that's been to the tournament before, won in the tournament. I think we all felt that that was a team that could make a run, maybe make it to the Sweet 16. Uh, and all of a sudden you have that taken away and you're looking forward to this season uh, that just completed. 
and you're going through the COVID uh, pandemic as we all have, and the NCAA has taken away in-person recruiting, and you've got a couple scholarships uh, remaining, and you know we know Keegan got one, Keegan McDowell, and Chris Parker as well. But at that point, a year ago, uh, if I would have told you then that next year this time you would be celebrating another 20-plus win season and another uh, regular season title outright for the first time, a, a ASUN tournament title and another NCAA tournament appearance, would you have uh, said I was crazy? Judd, I'd never say you're crazy, but I would have questioned your uh, your your state of mind. Your your fandom is, uh, has overridden your sense, your common sense. I, no, I didn't think, it, although I would never put a ceiling on our group of people, I just thought we had lost so much. Uh, it was going to be hard to replace. The, the, the numbers are one thing. When, when you evaluate the points per game, rebounds, assists, that's one thing, John, the wins. But, but the experiences, the hard times, losing at Radford and knowing what that felt like to get, you know, to get a punch in the gut and your heart broken. Uh, and then being able to win on the road at Asheville. Uh, I mean, prior to that, who went on the road in the Asheville, who was the dominant team in the Big South uh, the, the weeks preceding, you you thought that was going to be the year. And those guys came back the next year, and that was the year we beat Mississippi State. Uh, they they had such an urgency in their preparation and their commitment. Well, the 30-4 and four team, I, I mean, that's why you coached it, to get old in, in that group. I think they could have they could have put us on the national map the like never before, and have that taken from you. I just I didn't think we had gone through enough with the group that we had. So it, no, I, I I would have said you're crazy, but I would have I would have doubted your uh, your basketball knowledge, which by the way I think is really high. Well, I appreciate that, uh, Coach. I want to ask you about Darius McGee. You know, uh, a Sun Player of the Year, uh, Tournament MVP. Uh, that you know, two, three or so week stretch he had there toward the end of the end of the regular season and into uh, tournament play. Um, is that as good as a, as you've seen someone perform just consistently night after night at such a high level? And, you know, he, he's got an, at least one more year of eligibility, maybe two. Um, you know, can he get any better? I mean, what's the ceiling for him? Yeah, well, he was fun to watch, wasn't he? Oh, man, he, so much fun. I've been around some really good basketball players. Some of them are are playing at the highest level, and uh, there was a there was a stretch in the season. I think Joe's junior year, Joe Harris, that man, he was just he was at an elite level. Uh, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. There's others that uh, you, you know you sit back and you you just enjoy it because you, you expect every shot to go in and and every big play to be made. Uh, Darius McGee is special. He you know, we, we've had um, a, a few guys come through our program, John, that, you know, they're easy to latch on to because they're fun to watch. And then they, they have a sense of humility that is uh, is inspiring. So I, I think being 5'9", if he's that, uh, and, and having the disposition that he has, he's so easy to root for. Uh, and then having the 40 whatever inch vertical jump and, uh, and range that extends uh, to about 30. Uh, I, I just think offensively, there yeah, there's some things he can improve if he wants to play at the at the at the NBA level. But but I also think there's he's come he's made some great strides defensively. And and John, I, there's a player comparison that I don't know if you know this, but my senior year, I, 
of college, I worked for the Seattle Sonics. That was my internship. So I literally went to every home game I could when we didn't have a game or practice or we're on the road. And uh, so I became a Sonics fan through and through. And Dana Barrows, uh, I don't know if you remember him. He was, a, I do. I think, a, I think a 10 year vet from, I want to say Boston College, but man, he was electric. And Darius has some of that in him. I, I've told a couple of people who have asked to, uh, our scouts or uh, player personnel people, uh, I said, you watch that kid. That kid is going to, he's going to be on everyone's radar by the end of next season. And uh, I just think he's got a chance for greatness. And, uh, and, and like many of our group, man, they're so deserving because on that stage, they'll, they'll give honor to God and, uh, and they'll try and glorify him in and through their talents. Well, I have to go check out some Dana Barrows, Barrows highlights here in the next, next few days. Uh, coach looking ahead to next season, uh, you guys will undoubtedly be, you know, the preseason favorite in the A sun again. And, and, and of course it'll be difficult with a new look, a sun, a couple new teams coming in to win a fourth straight, obviously. Uh, but maybe even more difficult than that, I, I try to figure out what your rotation is going to look like next season. And you got six of your eight uh, everyday rotation from this year returning. And you got three freshmen in Isaiah Warfield, Micaiah B, and uh, Jonathan Jackson, who were kind of, you know, right there nipping at everyone's heels, trying to get more playing time and maybe deserved a little bit more. Uh, but there's only so many minutes to go around. And then you got three newcomers coming in so far. Uh, coach, will it be your more, most difficult challenge next year trying to find minutes for all these guys and, and to keep them happy and, and out of the transfer portal? Yeah, great question, John. That's the the residue of success is that you 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 know you have a little bit of a of a brand that uh, maybe people are interested in, especially given our mission as university. <laughs> I think I think we were able to to get on the phone or uh, indoors that maybe we haven't been, and that's reflective in Brody Peoples, Peoples, Joseph Joseph Van Sant, and and DJ Moore that. It, those that's a great recruiting class and uh and and the tough thing is they'll be freshmen and they're trying to find minutes against guys that aren't voluntarily giving them up but i think the character of those individuals and the ones that reside already in our program uh i, I think they will have an all-in for the team attitude that transfer portal i can't speak to like I, that's that's <laughs> it, it's it's a it, it's a necessary evil kids <clears throat> in my opinion should have the same right and freedom to move. However, uh, because there's no penalty for pursuing greener grass or the hope of greener grass, I just think, I think we're sending them the wrong message at the ease in which you're able to move. You know, people compare it to coaches. You didn't ask this, but I'm going to give it to you if you don't mind, John. They compare it to coaches. Well, coaches can move freely and they are right, but most coaches, if they move, have a buyout and there's some kind of consequence or skin in the game that has to be uh, adhered to in order to move. And I, I think because we're in an age of student athlete, uh, right. And, uh, preservation, I think there it's, it's been a little bit reactionary to the, the moment as opposed to maybe finding other ways to, uh, to allow it to have some semblance of, of control because it's out of control. There, there's not enough inventory. John, there's going to be 400 kids left in the portal. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's got, and what do those kids do? Where do they, where do they go from there? And 
I think it's I think it's going to be challenging. But back to us, I have no idea on the rotation right now. But that's the great thing about competition and the kind of young people we get to coach. Like uh, there's going to be there's going to be some great practices, and that's what Gonzaga has. They they, they have, and, and you hear their interviews. At Baylor too. They all talk about how competitive it is in practice, and I, I think that's a good thing. Now let me add, answer one more thing, John. Getting a fourth ace on title will be, <laughs> it'll be really hard. Like, I think only Gonzaga has done it in the last 10 years. I, I'd, be, I'd have to check with Dame or Steven Gonzalez on that uh, fact check. But uh, but that being said, we are, we are going to pursue it. And uh, I have a ton of respect for the coaches in this league, the talent that's in this league. It's way underrated. Uh, but, you know, we, we also have raised an expectation uh in-house and uh and with our our fan base that uh we're gonna we're gonna compete for the top so we're gonna continue to do that you mentioned uh brody peebles joseph Vinzant, and uh dj moore who's reclassifying and and joining you guys a year early um i've heard a lot about those three guys and obviously you guys have been recruiting them for a long time and and they committed early in the process um and and all three of those guys have racked up uh accolades throughout their high school career and i I couldn't count count as high as as many points as those three have combined to score. Um, is this a class? Are these guys? You know, and I, I know it's hard to 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 say this before they've even stepped foot on campus, as far as you know, enrolling in class and going through a practice. But are these guys that that you think could help to continue? Obviously, they are since since you're bringing them in, but that can help can continue to elevate the uh, Liberty basketball program and maybe even push it to that next level. You talk about winning in March and that's where programs are always judged, especially mid-major programs. Are the, are these guys, you know, that can hopefully do that? Yeah, no doubt, John. I'm, I'm telling you, if, if I was at a high major, I would have recruited all three of those kids. And, and I would tell you that for a, a lot of the young men that are in our program, I, I think, uh, I think when you part of the narrative in the scouting service world is when a guy commits to a high major, like an ACC school, if he was a two-star, he instantly becomes a three-star and a three-star, a four-star. I, I think whatever stars are by those guys name, uh, I, I think it's an immeasurable because those, those kids are, I'm peeves. I'm telling you, Jen, I, like I would go to his games and have fun watching them. Like, that, that kid knows he, he's got an instinct about him that is rare. He he really knows how to play. And then uh, Vincent is is I, I I don't want to compare him to Elijah because look Elijah's won more games than any Liberty basketball player in history. But I, there's there's no way that he gets out of of a, a different state. Um, with, with the ability as I man, we were we were fortunate. Derek Johnson found him. We were fortunate to be on him early, and uh, and show him how much we wanted to be him to be a part of our family and and the plan that we have for his development. And uh, what a great kid! And and all those, even DJ. Even I mean, we I've never met DJ more face to face, but wow. uh, we we've had unbelievable conversations and got a great trust for all three of those kids and their families. And again, John, one of the reasons why I'm still at Liberty is because I think our university attracts families like the ones 
that uh, our kids come from. And not saying we're better than anyone else by any stretch of imagination. But I love the group that we have, and I love the families that are represented. I was a freshman at Liberty in 2002, and I don't think – and that was the first year I started following, you know, Liberty basketball and, and football and the other sports. But I don't think in that time that there's ever been a basketball recruit or even a football recruit that has enrolled early or reclassified to a previous class. Uh, how do you know that that's the right move for a particular guy? I mean, is it just something you, you – the vibe you get from them or, or – you know, just how the makeup of your roster is for next season. How do you know that that's the right move for, for a young man to make? Yeah, I'm not sure. And and uh, he and his DJ and his mom and dad, we, we had extensive conversations on what that needed to look like. You know, they were great. They they said if a scholarship comes available, we would have an interest. And, uh, and, and if you needed to use a scholarship for a different position, we understand that. And uh, it, DJ would would rather redshirt here than uh, go through another year of high school. And I, I think the pandemic accelerated his desire to be in college. So uh, I think all the, the stars aligned in that one. God put that on uh, their heart and, and ours. And I don't know how to work out, but I do know it's a family that's, that's willing to to uh, make sacrifices necessary. And, uh, and DJ is willing to do whatever if he... If, if, if he can fight for minutes, he, great. If not, he doesn't mind redshirting. And, uh, you know, one of the unspoken uh, success uh, pillars at, at, that was established at, at UEA was that, that ability to wait to play and guys redshirting. That, I mean, that made such a difference. And uh, I, I'm a big proponent of it, but I want it to be a young man's decision, uh, not, not something that I talk him into. Coach, I got to ask you about Micaiah B. You know, this is a kid. I, I don't know if I've ever seen such a unique uh, freshman season arc that he had. I mean, you know, last, you know, in the preseason, you know, several months ago, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about him, ranting and raving about him, the guys that had seen him, you know, practicing and how he could be so good. And and then he comes out against Purdue in the, uh, you know, first game down in uh, in Florida and scores 19 points, doesn't miss a shot, hits three three-pointers and does it. Pretty much does the same thing. Goes in double figures again the next night uh, against another Power Five school, and and then you know all of a sudden fast forward to to February and March, and and he's having a hard time getting off the bench. Maybe you know playing a minute or two here and there. Uh, what could could he do going forward next year to um, you know maybe help you know improve himself as far as you know getting into that rotation? You know because I I look at it and I, I see you know Blake Preston who c- came on really strong this past season and Shiloh Robinson, we know the potential he has on the defense end of the floor. And, you know, are there enough minutes for a guy like Micaiah B to, to get into that rotation? And, you know, what are some things he needs to work on to help improve him so he can be part of that everyday rotation? Yeah. First of all, I love that kid. He is special. <laughs> he really is. Uh, he knows himself uh, as well as any 19 year old know, uh, that I've ever met knows himself. And, uh, I, you know, his, his value can't be equated to his minutes, uh, his freshman season. I mean, if again, if we looked at it like a redshirt season, man, he got a ton of improvement in a year that quote unquote didn't, doesn't count. Minutes are hard. John, there's 200 of them in a regular season, non overtime or regular season in a, in a, in a real game, whether regular season or postseason, there's only 200 to distribute. 
and uh, and it, it's 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 a challenge. So, I, what does he need to do to improve? He just needs to uh, continue uh, to have a value in every possession, that level of consistency, and then he's got to beat out a kid that might be an all league uh, center in Blake Preston or an all league forward in Kyle Rowe or Shiloh Robinson. I mean, that, that's the tough thing. It, we've got really good players, and Makai is one of them. But we don't ever promise guys a certain amount of minutes. We promise them an opportunity to earn minutes. And uh, and and I'm I, I pay no respect or don't have any favorites. I just want to put the guys out there that can help us win the game the most. And uh, if we're winning league championships, then we're we're probably making some decent decisions on that. And uh, again, but it's it's not easy. I'm. It's, it was, it's what makes a head coach most unpopular. Last question for you, Coach. Uh, we've talked about, you know, Gonzaga and, and the model they've established for, for mid-majors, and I'm not even sure you can call them a mid-major anymore with what Mark Fuse built there. Uh, you know, and I'm sure it's just a matter of time before they break through and get a national championship. Uh, you know, but it, it's easy for, for fans to look at them and, and say, you know, how can Liberty get to that level? But, uh, and I know you know this, but, I mean, it was a long grind for them. I mean, they've been in the tournament 20-plus straight years. And, and, you know, yes, they've won games, but they had a lot of times where they might would make the second round and, and get knocked out or, you know, going in as a 12, 13, 11 seed and maybe every now and then make the Sweet 16. And it's such a long grind. And now all of a sudden, you know, 20 years later, you look up and, and you know, you can consider them one of the national powers in, in the country uh, and competing for the, the blue uh, chip prospects with Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina and the like. Uh, is that something you have to remind yourself as you continue to build this program that, you know, it's pay- you have to be patient, remind yourself to, to stay patient and, and to realize that, you know, it's one step at a time, you know, keep putting in the work little by little. And eventually, you know, maybe, you know, several years down the road, you look back and not to say, you know, Liberty is going to be the next Gonzaga, uh, but all, you know, we all ultimately uh, hope for that, right? But, uh, you know, just to stay patient and, and to keep putting in the work day by day and, and and hopefully, you know, we'll get to that that level. Yeah, um, we aspire to play for, uh, play for it all one day. And I, I think access to the tournament has to be the, the variable that's most considered. And again, now, they have been in the WCC, and the WCC has improved mightily uh, since Gonzaga has had success. I mean, you look at St. Mary's and BYU, uh, it's San Francisco, they, they uh, maybe the first two uh, especially, they, they've done a great job. And, I mean, there's multiple bids in the WCC. So I think, I think our next step is to... You know, again, if you don't win the ASUN tournament, uh, it's, it, there's never been an at-large from, I don't think, the Big South or the ASUN. So the OVC had Belmont the, the previous year. But John, when, when you're a 12 seed, a 13 seed, a 14 seed, you've got a chance. But it's really hard to do. You look at Gonzaga's run, their seed has been different than most one-bid leagues. Agreed? Yeah, you're so, exactly right. So, so there's a lot that goes into it. We can all look at it and say, hey, it's Gonzaga and it's a mid-major, but there's nothing about Gonzaga now that's a mid-major. And so to compare ourselves to them, I think would be a little 
a, a little bit apples to oranges. However, I do think there are some some programs like a George Washington or a VCU or a Loyola that have made miraculous runs to the Final Four that has changed the tra- trajectory of their programs for the long haul. And, uh, and certainly uh, the first step is just getting to that tournament. And once you get there, and, and mind you, you know, we beat Mississippi State a couple of years ago and that 30 and 14, then maybe they could have done something similar. I don't know. But, uh, but we were all disappointed in losing to the 11th ranked team in the country. <laughs> How about that? We, we, we left Indy and uh, you brought your family and Flames Nation was, dang, we didn't win that one. We should have won that one. And all of our guys got on that plane that night after the game, frustrated that we weren't advancing. So you've done something right when you're disappointed in losing to you know, one of the best teams in the country. And uh, and I think that's why I'm so encouraged. I think that that taste of defeat has continued to, uh, to, to encourage and inspire our group to, uh, to keep striving for bigger things and, and uh, accomplishing our dreams. Well, I know you did the same thing, but when I went to India, I packed for three days and was disappointed that uh, I didn't have to use all my clothes. So, yeah. Yeah, same man. I, I, had, uh, I had a couple of half zips that I thought were going to be smoking in the round of 32 in the Sweet 16, but uh, I put them away until next year. I hear you. Well, th- thanks, Coach. Appreciate your time as always. And I think I speak for all of uh, Flames Nation that uh, Liberty is blessed to have you uh, representing the school and the uh, men's basketball program. And, and hopefully you get a little bit of downtime here the next uh, few weeks or so. John, I, can, I, can I add something to that? Sure. And then I, and I'm not saying this because you have me on, you know me, I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, enjoyer of, it's not a word, but uh, the, the media stuff is not, it's probably not my thing, but man, I think Flames Nation is blessed to have you. And I mean that even, even in a, uh, in a, in a climate where negativity is, it's, it's usually what is paid most attention to. Uh, I can I can tell you I speak from for our coaches and and probably all Liberty's coaches on campus and our players. What you've done with the Sea of Red and branding our program, I, I don't think that can be measured. I, I think your loyal support for Liberty Athletics is is spectacular, and uh, I, I thank you. I, I think yours is is uh, a valuable part of our body as uh, as anyone. So. Man, I really appreciate your investment. You've got skin in the game, and I know when we lose, you're like a coach. It hurts. So uh, thank you for that. And when we win, uh, keep celebrating with us because you've been a part of it. Thanks, Coach. That means a lot. I appreciate it.